Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today... We have a return guest, which I am really, really excited to reintroduce to you, Noemi Jewess. And we talk a little bit about her past episode in the actual podcast and when we, when she and I first start talking. So I won't give you too much detail right now because we're going to dive into that in the interview. But what I do want to preface this interview with is that Noemi started so small and not going to fashion school full time and in a tiny town in Scotland and they like didn't even have a fabric store and she has grown and exploded over the last year and a half from when we first had her on the podcast to when we to, to this interview and she has gotten press coverage by Vogue and Teen Vogue and she has done so much with her brand with very 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 limited resources so you guys if you are out there and you are feeling like I don't have the right resources I don't have money I don't ha- I'm not I don't live in a fashion hub this is really hard for me. I hear you, but listen to Noemi's story. Go back and listen to the original episode again. It's all linked below in the show notes, and we talk about it a little bit in our conversation here. But you are going to love the interview with her, and I really encourage you to listen to both to see the transformation from a year and a half ago to now. If you have inspiration to start your own brand and you feel like, I didn't go to fashion school, I don't have all these things, this these two episodes are definitely made just for you. Uh, Before we dive into the interview, I want to remind you guys that Successful Fashion Designer is way more than just a podcast. I have tons of free tips and templates and tutorials and eBooks and things on freelancing and Illustrator and so many more resources that you need to get ahead in fashion. And I encourage you to check those out. They're all absolutely free. You can head on over to SoHeidi.com slash email. Again, S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash email to grab all of those resources. I'm also on Instagram if you want to connect with me there at SoHeidi as well. And one last ask is that if you enjoy this podcast and you think we deserve it, a five-star and rating and write-up on Apple Podcasts is super, super appreciated. It really does help the show grow. All right. As always, you can access the show notes by scrolling down wherever you're listening. And now let's jump into the interview with Noemi. Welcome, Noemi, again to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. You guys, quick disclaimer that I had Noemi on like well the podcast the episode was released less than a year ago but or about a year ago but we recorded it in 2019 so it's been maybe about a year and a half since we first chatted is that right okay yeah and yeah. you guys so much has happened in her fashion brand and her fashion career since then so I encourage you to listen to this episode, but I also encourage you to go back. We'll link to the original episode in the show notes and hear where her story started a year and a half ago and even longer before then because she tells the whole backstory. Uh, but for now, give us a quick introduction of who you are and what you do in fashion. And then I cannot wait to dive into all these updates because I've seen snippets of what's going on in your fashion career on Instagram <laughs> and some messages you've sent me. And I am like giddy excited to hear. So tell us who you are and what you do. And then let's get into some updates. Yeah, thank you so much for having me again. Um, I'm Noemi. I'm a 22-year-old French and Japanese fashion designer. I'm currently finishing up my business degree in Scotland, um, but I started doing some collection work, some costuming work, some bespoke client work, um, and just a lot of things on social media as well the past couple of years. So I'm really excited to dive into my real fashion design career once I graduate this year. But yeah, okay. that's who I am. So you're graduating this, so we're recording this, it's March 2021, and when are you graduating, this spring? Yeah. June. June, okay, so this summer. Yeah, like just a few, few more, more months. months. Yeah. Okay, so um, I don't even like know where to start. Like, I guess, give us the quick three-sentence backstory, and then 
of like where you kind of started your career and how this all grew. And then, and then I want to dive into the last year and a half and what's happened since then. Okay. So I've always been really, really crafty. I've always been into knitting and a little bit of like hand sewing, embroidery, crocheting, literally everything that I could get my hands on. It's always been a big part of my life. And in high school, I got my first sewing machine, set myself the goal of making my prom dress. And I thought, you know, I have two years to learn. Surely I can do it. And I did it. And so for my prom dress, I wore my, you know, dress that I made for myself. And then I went off to university and there were a lot of formal events that I thought, hey, I could make dresses for myself and long formal dresses because I didn't really have the money to buy new dresses for every single event. So I started doing that and people started approaching me saying, you know, I would love to buy it. So I started taking it a little bit more seriously, went to fashion school in summer of 2019. And um, so, yeah, that's a little bit of the backstory. Okay. And I want to remind people, too, that um, you were like you were repurposing materials from secondhand stores and like tablecloths and curtains. And like yeah. you were really I don't want to say scrappy in a negative way, but like you were really scrapping this together. You didn't. I think for a lot of people listening who might want to do this, they might get the perception of like, oh, I'm sure you had this beautiful studio set up and access to all this expensive fabric and access to the New York City Garment District, but you didn't. Like, you live in this small town in Scotland and you didn't have access to a lot of materials and supplies. So you had like every barrier possible and you still figured out how to, air quote, in the most positive way, like scrap it together, right? Yeah, and I I mean, I didn't have proper pattern making tables until about a year and a half right. ago when I got, you know, the 1,000 pounds that I mentioned. I was working from my floor and hurting yeah. my back and going to, like, the student common rooms and studying rooms and making sure that no one was there and then, like, laying out my fabric on the tables and cutting them yeah. and things like that. So it was really out of what I could have, and that's why I never started out as a how can I make so much money? And it was more of a passion for sewing and creating and also – making very unique pieces that I knew I wouldn't class right, with anyone right. at events. And you were, and so you were making these dresses for like friends and friends of friends and just students at your school and people you were meeting at events. And you were kind of like, uh, the, yeah, the price is this. And like, you were just kind of winging it. Right. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's scary selling things <laughs> that you make when you don't have the validation knowing that, you know, cause dresses can be very expensive and I, you know, gain a lot of confidence in the past couple of years. But at the very beginning, it was, I think, my first dress I sold for about 40 pounds, which is like $55 for and a And I mean, dress, you had, like the materials alone, nothing. plus how many hours did you spend? So many. Yeah, yeah. too many. Okay. So <laughs> too many. I wanted to like really emphasize that because I think that a lot of people can feel like, oh, well, I don't have access to this. Or, you know, well, she had that and I don't have this. And, like, you didn't have a lot. And you figured it out. So, you guys, if you want the full backstory, again, yeah. go back and listen to the first episode um, with Noemi. But beyond that, start sharing some updates. Where where are you at? What has happened in the past year and a half since we heard from you last? Right. Um, it's been a lot. So last I spoke to you, I had just gotten a thousand pounds from an entrepreneurship yes. pitch event. Um, so that was yeah. to run my business. So I bought an industrial sewing machine. I bought big tables. Um, I paid for my website. I bought, you know, new materials like, um, pins and pin cushions and a new iron and things like that. And I was making a collection, my very first collection for a fashion show in February. I ended up getting an additional 500 pounds from the university, um, for like a special, it's called a student project fund, where basically if a student has a project, they fund it to see if they think it's viable. And if it brings sort of, if you're able to give back to the university. So I pitched that with saying, I'm costumes officer of a performance fund. I do a lot of theater. I really want to inspire other students to make costumes like I have been doing. And I really think having more student designers, because we don't have a fashion degree at our university. So there aren't a single student designer in the fashion shows that we do. So I thought it'd be really great to inspire. Okay. And so these are just like scholarships so, through your school, um, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so I made my collection about like a month and a half. It was February of 2020. <laughs> and so like sort of the month before it was really, really crazy. I, I mean, had university work to balance alongside with, you know, this collection that I was making. And I remember distinctively, I think when I came back from Japan, and I had all my materials and it was like a month before and I calculated how many days I had to make each piece. 
And I realized I only had 1.8 days to make oh a single gosh. piece. And it was a 17-piece collection. So I sat there thinking, oh, my goodness, what have I put myself into? This is insane. I don't know how to make, you know, a piece in less than two days. Um, so it was a crazy month, but I did it. I showcased a 12-look collection at my university's fashion show. And it was truly one of the most wonderful feelings in the world because I've been working on it so much and so, so hard. And all my friends came and the models were wearing it and there was a great photography. And so that for me was like I think the highlight of my career Aww. so far. It was just wonderful being front row. Then there's a great video on my TikTok of just me watching my own design. Um, so that was a really, really special moment. Very, very cool. So that was, so when was the actual fashion show? So it was late February. Okay, of and so then your deadline started in like early January or so. So you do this. Yeah, I started. Yeah, the go pattern, ahead. Sorry, I started the pattern work like when I was in Japan during winter break, and then when I got back for school, um, end of January. That's when I was like, right, I'm really going to start. Oh making my god! It. And so did you just like not sleep? <laughs> um, basically, <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. It was so burnt out afterwards. It could barely oh go anywhere. Um, it was a very intense time that taught me a lot about myself and how I am when I'm so <laughs> deprived. But also, like, a great experience. And I know that's what it's like yeah. in the real world. So I really feel like I got... You, you know, got a good, some good training wheels onto, like, what does it really take to put together a fashion <laughs> show collection in a scramble amount of time? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially with... Yeah, it was so much to do outside. And then the uh, pandemic hit, and a few weeks later, I was at home, which was heartbreaking. And also because I was really excited to start seeing clients again. I had put a pause on client work because um, I'd done a few in, like, December, and I was really excited to start doing it in April again. And then, you know, it was practically impossible to see anybody. So that was a really big hurdle for me to get over because I was so excited for it. And the next thing I knew, I couldn't see anyone. I was at home. Everything felt really disrupted. And I just was really, really keen to go back to fashion school in Boston. And every single day that went by, I realized that that wasn't going yeah. to happen. And I think for like a month and a half, I didn't sew when I was at home. I was just so, I, I think I was partly really, really burnt out. But also just so upset that I had all these plans in my head and really wanted to do so many great things. And you know, put my work out there, and it wasn't yeah. going to happen. You were at home with your family in Japan, not in Scotland at home at college. Okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you didn't? Did you yeah. probably didn't even have any of your tools and your machine and stuff? I didn't have. I do have a oh, home machine okay. at home, and once I arrived, my parents very kindly got me a serger because that was something that I was using a okay. lot in Scotland. And so that was a little bit difficult, but and this is where I get really exciting. <laughs> Um, in May, so the thing that really got me out of my shell is in May when the Met Gala was meant to happen. Um, Vogue sort of came on Instagram and said, "Listen, we're doing this thing called the Met Gala Challenge, where you create your favorite Met Gala look from home, and we're going to repost our favorite ones, and everyone's going to be participating and sort of making fashion a little bit more accessible to everyone. And everyone's going to be participating in this challenge when you sort of make up a look that you really like." And I decided to go with Lana Condor's 2019 look by Giambattista Valley. It's this beautiful pink tooled layered dress. And I had actually picked up my neighbor's trash back in January um, of 2020 in Japan because it, they had this like movers plastic that was pleated and looked really, really beautiful. And I love, you know, I've always made things out of trash and things that would be thrown away and charity shop items. So making something out of trash, I thought was going to be a really, really cool project. So I took that home. And once I was at home, I thought, oh, this is a great time to use Wait, that hold on. Piece. You literally like up. pulled plastic out of the trash and then like kept it from January all the way to May yeah. and took it from Scotland yeah. to Japan um, or this was in Japan, you had taken it. This was, this was in Japan and I left it in my brother's room. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I just had to make sure that um, was right. And this is a reoccurring theme. Okay, your brother's room, filling your brother's room <laughs> with trash. It's a reoccurring theme where... Uh-huh. Um, it looked pretty. Okay. It doesn't look like, you know, it didn't smell bad. We'll have to, sort of yeah, we'll have to get some pictures in the show notes, and I'm sure it's gorgeous, but it's just, this, the concept yeah. is, is interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's my whole thing was repurposing what could have been trash and making it a, a yeah. beautiful piece of art. So 
so I made a dress, you know, with, I like hand sewed a lot of the tools and I took really great photos outside with my parents and I posted it and I didn't think much of it. I wasn't still feeling that great and like myself and it didn't necessarily feel like creating, but I thought it's a great opportunity to sort of get out there and it sort of blew up. So that was when um, people were seeing it. Uh, you know, really famous people were like reposting it. Lana Condor herself what? reposted it on her story. Made me oh cry. My gosh. <laughs> uh, the Met Museum wanted to write a blog post about some of the contestants, and I was a part of that. So you know, I was in their story. Now I'm, you know, on their blog post. And um, I think the coolest thing that came out of it was Instagram was creating a promotional video for themselves, and they wanted to use my photos. So they paid me a lovely sum of money to buy the rights to wow. use my photos, which was insane and nothing I could have ever expected and I think the fact that something so great came out of a time that was so difficult and so many people came together to be creative was really a blessing and yeah a really great experience. Wow so do you I mean I think there's strategy to using hashtags and tagging people but it can only take you so far do did you you did you do all those things and and like, what was, okay, yeah, so yeah. Do, is that how some people started picking up on it? And then the piece itself was just so gorgeous in the picture and it just took off and kind of went viral. Is that what happened? I think so. And people okay. were just sharing it. And, you know, I think in May, everyone was at home and a little bit bored to so seeing people get uh, creative online was something that was really yeah. fun to look at. And I saw so many people that I knew online participating and it was just so oh, much fun. Cool. Okay, wow. So... The Met, I mean, all these people picked up. Did, did Vogue pay any attention? Because it wasn't for the Vogue. You said it was for the Vogue competition. Yeah, um, I didn't get okay. featured in Vogue. I got featured in Teen Oh, my Vogue, gosh. That's um, still amazing. I, I mean, just as amazing. I would argue. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and I, and I remember distinctively, I would see sort of like articles pop up here and there. And I thought, actually, like, I wonder how many articles I've been a part of. So I looked up my um, at, which is um, No Addresses, which yeah. is my company name. And I looked it up and there were like all of these articles, like Mary Claire, Teen Vogue, you know, the Daily Mail and so many articles that had just like mentioned my Instagram and I just didn't know about it. And that was when it really hit me, like how big this challenge was and how big my like submission was. Wow. Unbelievable. Okay. So you blow up from this project and this challenge that you created from this random piece of plastic you pulled out of the trash in January literally um and then what happens um and then it just the summer so I do a couple different things the money I got from Instagram I end up um buying myself a short course at Sydney State Martin the unfortunately I'm not able to go to Boston so I just have a lot of free time to continue sewing, continue improving my skills. Um, I started working on my second collection because I should sort of get ahead of that. And um, I get to the end of the summer and I realized that, so the School of Fashion Design, which is where I went in summer of 2019, is doing their classes uh, online, okay. fully remote. This was the school in Boston? Say, yeah. Yeah. And at so at the beginning of my fall semester, I go, what if I take a class online because I don't need to be there anymore? So I decide to add a class to my already very busy university schedule and take a draping level one class in the fall semester. Um, I buy myself a dress form because I need one. And um, so, yeah, I, I took a class last semester. I'm still taking a class this semester. I'm doing level two of draping. And with all the free time that I have with all the costumes, the shows that aren't happening and the clients I'm still not able to take, I decided to um, go back to the school that I really, really love, not in person, but online. And so how's that going? I'm I'm not going to lie. It's a little bit tough. It's a lot of work. Um, It's a lot of work, but it's so much fun. And I love learning about fashion design and it's, just all very very exciting um and I'm simultaneously working on my second collection unfortunately all the fashion shows aren't happening there might be one in May um, because things in Scotland are looking a little bit good at the moment but it's up in the air but I am about to finish my second collection that I've been working on since last summer um 
that's so much better. Than <laughs> you the have first a little one. more than one point eight days per pieces per piece. I do, I do, and I'm not driving myself insane doing it. But it's it's also over. I can see how much I've improved, and just the amount of hours that are going into them have are really showing my yeah. growth, which is wonderful to see. Um, and yeah, what happened recently also is I think it was in January there was the Vogue Couch Couture Challenge, which was a very similar thing to the Met Gala Challenge, but it was Couture Week in Paris. And so they were asking everyone to do to recreate at, from home their favorite like um, couture look. So I took part and I used an old carpet that my parents were trying <laughs> to throw away that I said, no, 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 no. This looks like great material. We've been yeah. here before. I think this is trash that I yeah. would like to keep. Um, so I kept it in my room <laughs> instead. Uh, I think this was like last summer. And when the challenge came around, I was like, right, time to bring it out. And um, I recreated Victor and Rolf's one of their look. So it's like a green dress that says, I am my own muse. Okay. So I cut that out out of felt. I repurposed some of the plastic that I'd used um, the previous year. And I got featured in Vogue. Oh my God. <laughs> um, which was really cool. I did a very professional photo shoot with someone that I knew in Japan because things are still a little bit open. So you're, you're able okay. to meet others. Um, so it all kind of came you know, full circle and my second challenge, I got featured um, in Vogue and it was really, really a great feeling because I had worked really hard on it. And um, I, I really love these challenges because I push myself outside my comfort zone. I work with materials I usually wouldn't work with. And I really, truly love seeing something that's about to be thrown out turned into a really interesting um, wearable piece. I'm looking at the I Am My Own Muse piece right now on your website. Um, wow, it's really cool. We're going to have to link to all of this. So, okay, so which part was the carpet? Yeah. Um, the green bit with all, like, white Oh, letters okay, so it? the carpet originally had letters on it, and then you put the, the pink felt on it. Okay, I see. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Okay, sorry, I'm getting distracted because people listening to the podcast obviously can't see, but you guys will have to look <laughs> at the show notes. We'll include the picture. Um, so, again, you, just, you posted this. Did this go through Instagram again, or you submitted directly? How was it? How did the challenge work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was on Instagram again, and just, there was like a hashtag um, that everyone put on, and you can find all the submissions through the hashtag, which was also really fun because people were getting yeah. so creative. Wow! And so you got featured again, and so then what? What? Um, what happened after you got featured in this time? I know the first time you it, like a million things happened. Did you get the similar sort of snowball from from this and get featured in other press and other outlets and stuff? Um, okay. not as much. I do feel as though back in May, a lot more people were online looking yeah. for distractions, and right now it's a little bit of a yeah. different feel. Um, a lot less sort of magazines were okay. picking up on it. Um, but, you know, it was really great yeah. to be featured um, on Vogue. I was, I was also on, like, I think Vogue Runway's Instagram. Oh, my God. To have that tag is really yeah. <laughs> just uh, an amazing feeling. And not as much came out of it, but for me, it was a huge milestone. Of course. Um, yeah, to be, to be tagged yeah. by Vogue. We'll get back to this episode in 20 seconds. But real quick, did you know that the SFD podcast is sponsored by you? We don't interrupt your listening experience with ads and instead rely on your support. There are three ways you can do that. One, tell a friend about the podcast. Two, sign up for the email list at soheidi.com slash email. That's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I dot com slash email. Three, write a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for supporting the SFD podcast. Now back to the episode. I mean... You are 22, have like a little bit of formal fashion training, started this thing out of your college dorm room on the floor, making stuff out of curtains and tablecloths and plastic, and like, look at where you are. Um, yeah, it's okay. such a I, I want to talk a little bit about the transformation, but before, and some of the things you mentioned before we hit record, I hope I'm not going to put you too much on the spot, but I do want to dig into that. Um, before we do that, are, is there more to the story from, from then until now that we haven't gotten to? Um, I don't think so. I think I would like to mention. Oh TikTok yeah, 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 yeah. That started. Okay. 2020. <laughs> so talk about it. 
I can. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, and um, so what's been really fun as well has been in January of 2020, I started sort of getting a little bit of followers on TikTok. I think I started around September of 2019, but nothing really picked up until January. So it's been about a year and a little bit. I've accumulated about 60,000 followers. And it's a wonderful community of people who love to sew, who love to create. And I just love posting the little behind the scenes you know, like a little video montage of me cutting the fabric, sewing it, putting it on. Um, yeah, it's it's really, really great to see the behind the scenes. And I'm also so excited to look back in the future and have all this video footage of me creating. And like you said, so, you know, on the floor. And I think it will keep me humble because I'll know like truly where I came from and all the hard work that went into yeah. everything I've done while being a university. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I don't know much about the TikTok world. I mean, I've seen a handful of videos, but I'm not on there. I don't really engage. Um, but that's so amazing that you've been able to grow that. And th- that sounds like it just happened really organically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, I think TikTok, like any social media platform, it can get quite nasty and people hide yeah. behind screens. But I think so in community on it. It's uh, so kind. Everyone just wants to learn. It's a lot of tips sharing. It's really, and I have so many followers who ask me so many questions and, you know, they'll DM me on Instagram and say, hey, I'm working on this top, like, can you help me? And I'll like help them out. And I I really wish I had that sort of community when I was learning Uh, how to sew because there's just so much information out there. Um, But I really love sharing like the behind the scenes and all of that with, you know, over 60,000 people. That's so insane. (laughs) I still can't grasp. It's just so many people, people. you know? Wow. I mean, there are barely 10,000 students at my university. Oh, my gosh. That's a big time that. And I, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that many people know, like, who I am and what I do. And sometimes I'll, you know, walk around town and bump into a friend or someone I don't know. They'll go, oh, my God, you're that girl on TikTok. Oh, my gosh, fashion. you're getting recognized in public. <laughs> so to get, yeah, to get, like, recognized in public boggles my mind because I'm just doing here like doing my thing and sewing and making clothes and people know who I don't know know me and I think that's that's amazing well listen I know how hard of a worker you are and how determined and ambitious and it is so well deserved and I am so proud of you and you should be so proud of yourself because you've really like pushed and I think a lot you know like I, I keep going back to what I said at the beginning and I've said a couple times is that I it's really easy to make an excuse. So I can't do it because I don't have the money or the right materials or I live in the small town or, you know, the list of excuses can be really long. And I think that sometimes what happens is the passion and the drive and the inspiration inside is so strong that you like figure out a way to do it no matter what. You scrap it together, right? And you did that and you've turned it into something um, and it is unbelievable and so well-deserved. So you should really be proud of yourself. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, th- I completely agree. And I think especially yeah. during lockdown where <laughs> so much going on and just so little resources. Yeah. Um, and I haven't been able to, you know, all the charity shops have been closed since like December. So I haven't been able to find any new material, yeah. you know, locally. Um, but thankfully, I've been hoarding <laughs> a lot of curtains and fabric. And all that stuff. Oh, my so God. <laughs> I mean, that's to keep yeah. do you Yeah. Do you exclusively um, work with like it, upcycled materials and, and garbage and stuff? Um, mostly I'd say like okay. 80%. Um, so for some of my fashion school homework, if I have like a really professional dress to make, then I'd rather work with, um, like proper okay. materials. But I mean, even, even in Japan where I get the materials for all my collections, it's usually, I go to the remnant store and it's mainly because it's cheaper. So they'll have most of the fabrics I buy is like maybe like 80 cents oh a yard. Oh my God. It's nothing. Which is really that's really crazy cheap. so my dad will take my car we'll get like bags full of <laughs> all this fabric and we'll never find the same fabric yeah, yeah, twice yeah. because you they yeah. have rem- so just go and like find what i think will be nice and then just buy every like you know 10 meters of it if i can yeah. if i really like it and bring it home um you know because and i like, like you said what you said earlier sometimes people think that like sewing is really expensive but the majority of the fat, the materials I work with is less, you know, than okay. a dollar a yard. It really is because everything I get from charity shops and everything. Um, I mean, my whole thing was 
spending less money than I would if I were buying a dress, like a right. brand new dress. So it, I was trying to go as cheap as I can. Um, and yeah, I really think it's possible to start sewing and to create with um, a lot less. I think so. you're absolutely right. And you're, I mean, you're proof that it's right. Um, can I, can we talk a little yeah. bit about what you mentioned before we hit record? Can I bring that up? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. um, we hopped on the call and I was like, oh, I'm so excited to talk with you. And you made some comment, I'll kind of paraphrase here <laughs> of, um, yeah, I'm so excited to share everything. And I can't believe that I had the audacity to come on your show a year and a half ago and say I was a fashion designer <laughs> Because, I mean, what was I really doing? But now in the last year and a half with everything that's happened, I really feel like I'm a fashion designer. And I want to, like, dig into that a little bit because I – and I – let me tell you, I've shared my story very transparently, um, and I've been in your shoes. Like, I have hacked stuff together, and I've done runway (laughs) shows. I say runway shows, like little fashion shows at bars in Denver um, that I look back (laughs) on. I'm like – Oh, this is embarrassing. Like, but you do it, right? Everybody starts somewhere. And we all have, like, there's this saying if you're not embarrassed at the first version of your product, you launched too late. Have you heard that before? But it's like this idea that like anything we look back on, we're going to be like, oh, God, it was so terrible. Look at where I am now. Um, So I'd like to hear a little bit of your thoughts on like, I guess dig into some of the emotions of like what pushed you to say that to me um, and then also like going back to your younger self, maybe your 20, 21-year-old self, yeah. like what would you say – because I think what I'm trying to get out of this conversation right now is I think so many people listening are like terrified or scared to put themselves out there that they might put something out that's not good enough yeah. or, you know, all the things, right? And then they might be embarrassed of it later. Um So, you know, can you just talk a little, I know I'm not really giving you a specific question, but I want to give some inspiration to them and some encouragement to people who might feel like, oh, it's terrible or embarrassed or or all the things that you feel about something you make that you're like, it's just not good. Yeah, sure. Okay. I can... Is there like one specific question I can sort of start off and then I'll Yeah, let me give you a question. Sorry. I'm just like rambling on this. (laughs) There's so much to dig into with this. Um, But how about this? Yeah. I I know where you're coming from. I I know that just Let me give you a specific question. If you could go back and tell your younger self something that 19, 20, 21-year-old Noemi – who you're now like feeling like, oh my God, how did she have the audacity to call herself a fashion designer? <laughs> um, what would yeah. you go back and tell her? I think, and I think I did this, but a lot less consciously. I think I would tell her to enjoy the process. I remember distinctively when I was making my first collection and I loved making it, you know, and I remember thinking when it was coming to the end, I'm never going to love anything that I've made as much as I ah. love this collection. And now I look about this collection and I go, oh my goodness, it's so childish. There's not a story in it. There isn't a cohesive theme. Like everything I made is, it feels very DIY. But I loved it at that time. It was everything I'd ever, you know, dreamt of. And I think I, I think I did really well in really appreciating the process of creating and it was a little bit less about, you know, doing a big fashion show and being recognized by Vogue and, you know, bragging to all my friends and being like, look what I've done while being at university and more about enjoying the process of like putting all of these things yeah. together. And it really felt like I was giving birth. <laughs> I know birth is a lot more painful, but it really felt like all of this effort and all the skills that I'd learned in the past, you know, now I've been doing it for six years, was really coming to show like sort of materialize itself into one collection um and you know like I said earlier the audacity to call myself a fashion designer and I mean still you know I haven't been able to take a a client in a year because of the pandemic and I'm not able to do in-person fitting so do I call myself a businesswoman or an entrepreneur but I think you need to call yourself what you want to be a little bit like how people say dress for the job that you want not the job that you have I call myself a fashion designer because 
I create clothing from the things that I have and from fabrics and from scraps and everything. Yes. So, um, yeah. Okay. That was great. I love that. I'm trying to think a little bit more about, yeah. I'm trying to think a little bit more about what you mentioned. Um, but yeah, I think growth, especially as an artist, I think you're not doing it right if you look back at your past work and go, oh, why did I do that? Because if I look back at my past collection, I go, oh, what a wonderful collection. It's perfect. Then that means I haven't grown and I haven't improved. And I'm so excited, you know, in two years time to look back at the collection that I'm finishing up right now and go, oh, my goodness, I cannot believe I dared to, like, you know, email photographers and have models wear this. And it's going to be so nostalgic and so funny, but I... I really, really cherish that feeling of looking back and going, this is absolutely terrible. I can't believe I had the audacity to put it on my Instagram <laughs> because I, I think that just, it's a little bit like seeing like a younger sibling create a really terrible piece of art. It's so sweet and cherishable. And um, I really, really, I remember loving the feeling of creating it. And I think that's all that matters, whether, you know, you create something that works out really well or it doesn't. And I still make pieces. You know, a few days ago I was making a dress that I absolutely hate. It doesn't yeah. look good on me. And I, but I enjoyed the process and I enjoyed listening to music and podcasts and sewing, you know, all day long. And I think that's, I think the most important part of being an artist is that you're enjoying the process more than the actual product that you're making. Oh, that's amazing. I love hearing that. And I'm so excited. I know you had said at the beginning of the pandemic, you were um, in a little bit of a rut but it sounds like you really got, you yeah. really pulled yourself out of that. Yeah, definitely. And I'm also like really excited for the future. And once I graduate and I can do this full time, yeah. it's going to be, you know, great. And I think that, you know, the pandemic taught everyone a lot about mental yeah. health and everything. And I'm really excited to put yeah. that to practice um, and, and do yeah. bigger and better things and not have to worry about my yeah, degree. Right. <laughs> um, so you made another comment in there I want to ask about. You said you know, um, I don't think you actually used the word audacity, but you were like, do I, can I really call myself a business woman and an entrepreneur because I'm not, you know, doing these custom dresses and selling because of the pandemic. Um, so can you talk a little bit, and I know like, listen, you're still so young and you're still in school and, um, creating all these enormous things and getting featured in Vogue and Team Vogue and blowing up on TikTok, like so much big stuff. But I'm curious because it's in your head, like what are your thoughts around the business component of this and where do you feel stuck or where would you like it to be? And, and just your general thoughts on taking Noe dresses and having it be, um, and I, I want to be very careful how I say this, but, um, business a business versus I'm not saying it is one or the other, um, versus yeah. your art. And I don't, I don't want the wrong yeah. tone on that question, but I do want to talk about that yeah, a little bit. Yeah, no, I can, I can okay. understand. Yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about this recently, actually about whether I actually want to do client work and whether I want to continue doing that because I obviously need to start making a living yeah. once I graduate, but I also really enjoy the process of creating new pieces that I want to make. And especially I found while I've been doing fashion school and doing a lot of homework and having a lot less time doing the things that I feel inspired in the moment, I really miss that feeling. And it was quite funny because before the pandemic, I've always thought, oh, I just like, you know, three, four months, no commitment to anything, just like have every single yeah. day to sew. And then I got it and it wasn't as I, <laughs> as I thought it was. But, you know, even right now working on my collection, um, oh, it was a really cool thing that happened during winter break. And I gave myself like three, four weeks during winter break to just focus on pieces that I wanted to create in the moment. So whatever I woke up and felt inspired by, I made it. And I can usually gauge how well that does on social media. And I know that usually when I'm making pieces that I'm really happy making, those videos tend to do better. Interesting. So I actually made a top that was inspired by the TV show Bridgerton ah. on Netflix. And I love the Empire cut. I love like all the dazzle and I thought it was gorgeous. I took inspiration from the cut and made a top and it got like 2.5 million views on wow. Instagram. 
and it's currently blowing up on TikTok and it has like 900,000 views as well. So I think it's going to hit a million. And it's really crazy to think that on both platforms, I post the same video on both platforms and they're both doing incredibly well. And I think through the video, you can see just how excited I am and how organic of a process that it is. So I do want to take client work and I think I will have to um, because I, I will have to earn money, but it takes away from the art and that's unfortunate. And I always, always tell younger people asking for my advice on TikTok or Instagram, you don't have to sell your art. Like you don't have to learn how to make a scrunchie and open a scrunchie. You don't have to <laughs> learn how to make tote bags and then like sell anything in tote bags. You're allowed to enjoy the process of creating and trying new things and making the things that you want to do. And I think people, there's a big side of TikTok called business TikTok, a small business TikTok where people sell things that they want to do. And I think that's incredible. And I think the fact that it's so much easier to sell things and be a small business at a much younger age is an incredible thing. And social media really helps with that. But I don't think that the mindset of, oh, I know how to make this, let me sell it, is necessarily a healthy one. Because it's still art and people should appreciate the process of it and people should appreciate making art from themselves and their friends instead of going, how can I capitalize on the skill that I've just learned and sort of create like a business out of it and have to sell myself in my time when you're meant to enjoy it. So all of that to say, um, I do think that the business side of things takes away from the art, but sometimes I work with clients and sometimes, you know, they ask specific things that I would have never done. And I go, I actually really like this. And I would have never tried this color. Yeah. I would have never tried this cut on myself or any of my designs. So it, it can be a very collaborative learning experience for me. Um, but yeah, it's a tricky balance to have. And I do worry that maybe I'll be only doing custom work and I won't actually be making the things that I want to make. And as an artist, that makes me yeah. quite sad. So it sounds like ideally, you know, you have the realistic side of like, okay, money, life requires money. <laughs> um, and and so, <laughs> you know, how do you do that? But you're also really conscious of needing to maintain your creative endeavors as an artist. That's how you thrive. It's so yeah. important and it, it helps so much with my mental health and clarity and you know, yeah. drive. So, okay. So you graduate in a couple months and what's your plan then? No pressure. <laughs> no, no, okay. I love this question. I know. So <laughs> I'm sure like a million people are asking you um, this, right? Actually, I found a lot of fourth years tend to avoid the questions. I feel like we've all mutually agreed that if we don't ask each other, we won't have to talk <laughs> about it. It's a terrifying time. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, trying to find a I job know, and you're, like, time, graduating, like, hopefully at the very tail end of the pandemic. I mean, I really I really feel in my gut that we're, like, on downhill, finally. Um, but, yeah, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think it's September. So, um, I'm going to be doing freelance fashion design. I have a couple of opportunities. I'm spoken to a company in France that does, that works with designers, and they get their pieces manufactured. So you, like, send them your flats and your, I think you have to send a sample as well. Um, and they sort of help designers go through the process and uh, make it a little bit easier because I know how hard it is, especially in the UK, to find local um, people to, um, like, sort of manufacturers and factories. I'm really looking forward to working with different artists. I very casually mentioned in a TikTok um, that my favorite singer in the UK that I really wanted to make her address. And she commented, being like, oh yeah, my God. of course, that'd be lovely. Wow. Uh, so you were a celebrity. Again and be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, I know you've agreed very casually, but like I'm moving to London. So can we actually make it happen? So I think I'm going to cold call a lot of, you know, artists and people who do music videos and go and rent carpets and go, listen, this is my portfolio. This is the kind of work that I do. I'd love to work with you and, you know, make you a piece and see how I move on from there. Um, I do want to put a lot more effort into social media. And I've actually, I wasn't planning on applying to any jobs because I really want to start freelancing. I was looking into like maybe interning at a studio to get a little bit more experience. But I recently found a job advert to be a costume trainee for a Netflix show um starting wow, this summer really cool so we'll yeah. to that. Um, i'm not going to say what show because i don't want to you know i yeah, yeah, yeah. happen it'll be really awkward um, but yeah i could i i'd love to also look into the costume world of 
um, Netflix and TV and things like that and see what else I can learn. I think I really want to learn as much as I can and explore different paths as early as I can. I think it will be a lot harder to take like a career break and completely change careers for six months, you know, five years down the line. But right now I'm not committed yeah. to anything. So really it's going to take, you know, what I, what comes my way and um, try to meet people in London and, um, you know, hopefully intern at London Fashion Week and things like that. And just really excited to go out there. I know that I have what it takes. I also know that if I've accomplished this much while being a full-time university student, then surely with all the time that I'll have, I'll accomplish a lot more. Oh my gosh. Um, So yeah, just going to design. So reach out, take all the opportunities that I can, do the things that excite me, um, and just really, really put myself out there. I love it. You're going to go, so we're going to have to have you on the show again in a year, a year and a half. We have to do another update. I just, (laughs) I know so many amazing things are going to happen for you. And um, let me rephrase that. I know you are going to make so many amazing things happen for yourself. I think there's so much truth in that side type of mindset, right? It, I think there, luck is always a component, but it's really you being prepared and being in the right place at the right time. And, and you have been prepared and you have really been pushing yourself. Um, so, so much wonderful stuff you're going to create and make for yourself over the next year. Um, this has been unbelievable. I'm. It's so exciting to have you back on the show and to hear all the amazingness that has happened for you in the last year of the pandemic. I mean, literally, the world's turned upside down, and you've created yeah, such this been... this space for yourself. So, great job, Noemi. Yeah, thank you. I almost can't believe it. And going back to what you said about luck, I think luck comes towards those yes. who work hard. Um, you know, opportunities come every so often, but if you work really, really hard to put yourself out there, then you just have a totally. bigger chance of finding those opportunities. It's so true. So I've really found that was the case. Yeah, it's so true. The more you put yourself out there, the more that you are exposed to those opportunities of luck falling in your lap and being prepared for them, which just, it's a lot of hard work yeah. and we have to push ourselves and you're, you're pushing and you're doing it. It's mm-hmm. so amazing. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to come back. Um, where can everybody connect with you online? Um, so my fashion Instagram and all my socials is no addresses. So N O E addresses. Awesome. Um, I do post a lot more behind the scenes on my personal Instagram, which is Noemi underscore Jewess. So I can send you the link. Yeah. We'll link to both of those. Um, and yeah, mainly I think my TikTok, um, my TikTok at no addresses is where I post so much of the behind the scenes and everything I'm making. Um, and, you know, I also answer a lot of questions and do a lot of Q&As and things like that. So that would be the best. Awesome. I will link to all of that in the show notes. And we'll include some of the pictures of your recent designs. I want to know, yeah. I, I found the um, the I Am My Own Muse photo. I don't see the photo of the packaging plastic from the January trash haul. <laughs> So you'll have to send us that one. Um, I want yeah. to specifically feature a couple ones that we talked okay. about so that, that the listeners can check those out in the show notes. So you'll have to send us that. Um, yeah, and I know we asked this question in the first interview, but I'm sure your answer has changed. And I'm going to leave it as a teaser for everybody to go back and listen to the first interview. But now a year and a half <laughs> later that you feel like more of a fashion designer than you did before, what is the one thing that nobody asked you about working <laughs> in fashion that you wish they would? I would say I wish more people asked me what's important in your daily life. And I would answer how much rest is really Uh, important, especially during the pandemic where your work-life balance is just, I thought was for me was really messed up because I would just wake up and work as much as I could and then go to sleep. And I keep having really bad cycles of working really, really hard uh, and burning out and then not feeling like I deserve the rest. So really having a system of resting. I've been doing like video games to make sure that I'm like taking (laughs) the time off and not sewing and things like that. You almost have to force yourself. And I think it's such an important part of being an artist as well. Um, Today I've been making some dresses that I've been meaning to make. And I could only do that because the past two days I just sort of crashed and slept and watched Netflix all day because I was really burnt out. So I really think... I mean, the fashion industry, you know, I think a lot of working industries need to focus a lot more on resting and making sure you have a healthier work-life balance. So 
People don't. I don't think. No, they don't. And you know what? I let me look. I you are my one hundred and I'd have to look at the schedule, like a hundred and thirtieth interview or something, and no one's ever given an answer even close to that concept. So they don't. Yeah. And it's so true. And you know what? It's such a good reminder because I find myself in those same situations where I'm like working, working, working. And and whether it's on something, you know, creative or something business focused, whatever it may be, um, especially in pandemic life, right? Like we just get in this, you can get in this cycle of like, oh, I'm just home and that's where I work and I'm just working all the time. And it's easy to feel like you have to be sitting in front of your work to get the thing done. But sometimes when you force yourself to take a break, yeah. like for you, it might be a video game. For me, I like to go out and hike. I actually then come back and I'm so much more productive in a shorter amount of time because I have forced myself to pull away. But it's really yeah. hard. It's tough. And you also enjoy a lot more, which I think is, it makes me sad when sewing becomes such a stressful yeah. part of my life because it started out as a hobby and it started out as something that I yeah. enjoy doing. Um, but yeah, especially because I'm not like, I'm always saying, oh, I'm doing like fa- online fashion school and university and collections and isn't that so great? Ha ha. But it's still yeah. a lot of work. Um, and I don't give myself enough credit for doing all of it. And I feel quite guilty resting all the time. But I, I know that it's important. And I know that I hope that more people start talking yeah. about it because it's so, I think, yeah, crucial to our mental health. And also, you know, once we start, like once, you know, I marry someone and start a family, it needs to be something that I need to stop looking at and focus on the people yeah. around me when the yeah. pandemic is over. Yeah, so. that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that when answer. It, Again, yeah, no one's really touched on anything close to that, so I appreciate your insights. You're smart, and you're 22. You're so young. You're brilliant. You're so wise beyond your years. <laughs> I hope you know that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show again, Noemi. It was really, really lovely to catch up with you. And you guys, if you got all the way through this, go back and listen to the first interview because I think it's going to be really cool, especially if you're just starting out or you're feeling a little insecure about where you're at. Go back and listen to the first interview with Noemi. I know you guys are going to get so much value seeing where her story was and where it is now. Thank you so much for listening and a big shout out to two people behind the scenes who really make the show possible. My husband, Mark, who handles all of the tech and editing and my right hand SFD badass Tara, who does so much behind the scenes to coordinate the show and get everything published. And you have no idea how helpful she is in making this possible. So thank you so much, Tara and Mark. And again, thank you for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. As a quick reminder, SFD is way more than just a podcast. I have tons of free resources to help you get ahead in fashion. To access those, head on over to soheidi.com slash email. You can also connect with me on Instagram where I share a lot of content and tips as well. And as always, if you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, scroll down for the show notes. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you in the next successful fashion designer podcast episode.